You're listening to Shtetl on the Shortwave, Montreal's alternative Jewish radio show on CKUT 90.3 FM. I'm your host, Tamara Kramer, and today we're going to be keeping it cool in the summer heat with talk about an Inuit hockey team and a chilling horror film from Israel. So stay tuned. on Shtetl on the Shortwave and uh, this is Elisapi Isaac, she's uh, singing in Inuk, she is uh, born in um, she was born of an Inuk mother and a Newfoundland father and she was adopted at birth by an Inuit family and uh, she was raised in the community Saluit in Nunavut also known as the Great North and she is going to be playing at this year's Montreal's First People's Festival next week, August 5th, and you should definitely catch our show. And this is a perfect segue into the first half of Shtetl on the Shortwave because we're going to be talking with Montreal director Ari Cohen, founder of Rotating Planets. It's the production company that has produced a TV series called The Uluit, Champions of the North. And on the second half of Shtetl, we're going to be talking with the directors of the first ever Israeli horror film called Rabies. So stay tuned for that. But first, we've got 
Ari Cohen on Shtetl on the Shortwave. Welcome to Shtetl. Hey, Ari. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Great to be here. Thank you. I've been wanting to have you on Shtetl for so long. <laughs> I'm here. You're here. Um, Ari, you've done so many eclectic productions, including some with like Jewish content. You did Shmelvis, the Jewish Elvis. and yeah. uh, I, But I'm happy to be to be talking to you about this project. I think it's really uh, a really amazing story. And so I'm just going to go right into it. Go for it. Can you tell us what or who are the Uluwit? The Uluwit are an uh, all-female uh, hockey team based out of uh, Inukjuak, Nunavik, which is the Arctic region of Quebec. It is uh, about a six-hour drive north from Montreal by plane, okay. <laughs> a small plane. And so you land there in Inukjuak. There's about 1,500 people who live there. And the, you know, the arena, the hockey arena that they built is really like our second home. You know, every night it's being used, every day it's being used. And um, the women who play on the Uluwit are... Um, daughters, mothers, grandmothers, sisters, and friends. And so there's this real bond between them, and they do great every year at these championships that they go to. And so our film essentially documents uh, their lives um, off the ice and a little bit on the ice uh, over the course of a year. Okay. Well, what are some of the uh, stories that stand out, some of the women's stories? What are their lives like? Obviously, I don't have much of a concept of what it's like to live in Nunavik, so I'm curious to know what what their day-to-day is or what their Mm -hmm. struggles are. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the reasons I made this project is I I wanted to see for myself um, how uh, people were living in the north. And so what I decided to do was, um, you know, build this project. Just, you know, I mean, this project is also produced with a company called Anaid Video, which means uh, a women's uh, company in Nunatutuk. In, in, in and so I partnered with a lot of Aboriginal people to make this project. And um, I mean, basically, it's, they're, they're women just like women here in the South. Um, they're, they have the same desires that we all do. You know, they want a good family. They want a good life. Uh, but they live in a place where uh, they're isolated and where their culture is very different. But you know, nevertheless, um, they love the same things that we do. So I think that's really important to keep in mind uh, because a lot of people sort of think that they're so different and really, you know, um, they're really cool and down-to-earth people. Very friendly, you know. Uh, when I first arrived, people were just so friendly. with Anything I needed, a car, uh, food, uh, people really took me in. And I think that's what made this whole, even till to this day, you know, we still stay in contact. Uh, these women make up, the community. So you have uh, school teachers, social workers, midwives, students, um, nursery. They work at you know in, in in the town hall, and a lot of them also don't work. You know they're at home taking care of their kids, or just at home, or you know. And so a lot of a lot of the women that we we followed um, sort of take us into all different directions, and and they open up personally about what happened in their lives. You know, so we hear about uh, a former player that died tragically. Um, we hear about a mid wife who's having a hard time uh, with um, abuse in her home. We hear about a lot of things that happen on a regular, on an on 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 unfortunate level that happens regularly, but nevertheless, we, we still uh, get to see a lot of the positive things that sometimes you don't see in the media. So it, does, it, st- it stays away from stereotypes, okay. and it really feels like when you're watching it, like in a Nook production. Okay. Yeah. And so what, it's an intergenerational team, right? It's not, it's all That's ages? Right. It's sort of all, I mean, I think they start at like 13, you know. And what's uh, the oldest? I think someone's, the oldest is, and she's in her 50s. Wow. Yeah. And no matter what time of day, how cold it is, whatever it is, 10 o'clock at night, 
they literally will walk there with their bag if they have to. Wow. Yeah. So they're very dedicated to the team. Super dedicated. How do they, yeah. how do you get onto the team? Well, do you have to be a crazy athlete or <laughs> no, I mean, there's the, you know, it's a small community. I mean, so if you really want to play, you can get on, but the real thing that stops people from playing is equipment and it's very expensive. And so having equipment is something that, um, you know, you need to have and the team has so many players, you know? So, I mean, but yeah, anybody who's really good, who wants to play, who has equipment can play. It's open in that sense and it's very inclusive and, and and there's nothing like seeing one of these locker rooms you know it's not like a locker room you'd see here first of all you'd have all these different ages so from 13 to 50 they're all in the same room and they're all talking as friends the young people are often together you know so you have those they're called the Uluapit I mean they're part of the same team but they have another name just because they're younger and and you see kids tying the shoe you know tying the, the laces of the skate and you see you know everyone's helping out and then there's throat singing you know often in you know, Women love to throat sing, you know, any occasion they can. So it happens almost every time you're in a room with them. So it's it's quite colorful for sure. And Do you know how to throat sing now after hanging out with them? For I tried. They taught me, but it's very hard because you have to do it with someone else. And the hard part is not sort of, sort of I mean, it's hard to get the, the sounds, but that's, when you, that's something you can do. It's doing that sound with someone else in time. And so they're kind of like... It's jamming, okay. but well, it's on, very... Ari, you got to do it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. We'll play some. You'll see. It's okay, hard. I'm just joking. Okay. Um, you spent a year going back and forth between right. Montreal. And so what are some memories that you have of your experiences with the, with these women? Yeah. I uh, I mean, I had some incredible trips. I also went with some of the husbands on some hunting trips. And okay. so that was really exciting, too, just to sort of get onto the land. And I mean, it's miles and miles of just... Uh, beautiful, untouched land, it feels like. You know, you're in the middle of nowhere and at the same time everywhere because it's so peaceful. Uh, so I went on a seal hunt and a caribou hunt with them. And then with the women, I mean, it was just sort of being able to get to know them, you know, just being in their homes, having dinner with them, spending time, uh, you know, and with them in their activities that they do around town and sort of feeling like you're part of the team. And eventually that's the best, you know, sort of like you're driving around, you know, in your car and you got three players in your car and you're not filming. You're just sort of just talking mm -hmm. and you're just hanging out at this point. You've done your filming. It's like late at night and you're just kind of just driving around town, making jokes with them and sort of feeling like you're almost like family, you know, and sort of I think that's why I make movies is to get to that point where you have that kind of connection that's really strong that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own. It's only because I'm making this project and spending weeks there that I was able to get that kind of relationship going and sort of that's the high, that's the high for me, you know, like having that kind of closeness. Yeah. Yeah. Something I'm curious about is whether the women talked about struggling with coming to Montreal or going to bigger cities because it does seem like there are a lot of challenges yeah. and it's uh, it's expensive. The food is expensive and there's a lot more, quote unquote, opportunity, you know, in the bigger mm. cities. Did they talk a lot about that? Like the sure. struggle between deciding whether to stay or not? Uh, well, I mean, definitely if you live up north, you're living an isolated life, which means you're not really, you know, it's small. 
You know, it's not like it is. It's living in a small town. However, you know, the food there is actually 10 times more expensive than it is here. A lot of people, um, you know, can't believe, you know, you go there to buy some small, let's say, milk and, you know, bag of chips, you know, could be like $13, $14. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really crazy and unfortunate because they don't have a lot of money. And there's no reason why they should be paying 10 times what we're paying. But they eat off the land. So they eat a lot of what they call country food, which is, you know, hunting food, Um, seals and fish and caribou. Um, and as far as coming to Montreal, a lot of them do come here actually for medical visits and also, uh, students, you know, will come here as well. And sometimes work as well will bring them here. And there's a lot of, I know people living in Montreal, I think, um, the number is around 1500, uh, in Montreal right now. 50 to 100? No, 1,500. Oh, 1,500. Yeah. Okay. It could be more. And um, there's a lot of homeless people living in Montreal that are in it too. Um, there's all types of people who come. But for sure, there's people who make it here and who are students. And there's others who just often just come here for medical. So there's a whole... There are, there are so many Inuit people who actually do come into the city, but we often don't see them. They love them stay in Dorval. But it's... It's they're here. They're in our. They're among us, you know. But we just have to be a little bit more open <coughs> to go out and see them. And there's if you find any kind of like Alyssa piece playing or Beatrice Deer, who's another Inuit uh, singer. She's from Montreal. Go to their events and you'll find, you know what I mean. It's a nice, cool you'll, Inuit you'll people to community. hang out with. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Um, I want to talk more about uh, the Uluit and about okay. the project. Sure. Um, but we're going to take a break for an ad. Before we play the ad, though, we're going to play a little bit of Amy Winehouse. Of rest she's, in peace. May she rest mm. in peace. She passed Sad. away July 23rd. And I've only played her once on the show before, and it was actually when I had Rabbi Bressinger on. He runs Project Pride. It's an addictions counseling center. Mm-hmm. And he'd obviously never heard of the Jewish singer Amy Winehouse, and I played Rehab. And um, we talked about her and about about the song. I think she's an inspiration for for anybody who wants to dare to live outside the box. Uh, but you know, you know the yeah. way it went is really, really. Stay safe, though. You know, I mean, party, but don't party too hard. It's so sad to have lost such a creative and talented soul. So, without further ado, this is Amy Winehouse, Back to Black.
Herzachzi Stettel auf den Shortwave auf CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. All right, we're back on Stettel on the Shortwave with Ari Cohen, and that was a lovely song, Back to Black, by Amy Winehouse. Um, Ari, uh, you are the director of the Uluit Champions of the North. People can see the TV series next week on Friday. It's going to be playing at the NFB, right? Yeah, it's, I put them all as one, so it's 95 minutes of the Uluit. It's okay. going to be playing at 6.30 at the NFB Cinema on Saint-Denis as okay. part of... Um, Présence Autochtone, Montreal's first people's festival. And uh, for those who want to know about that festival, it's been going on for 21 years, and they really um, promote all amazing things that are uh, Aboriginal. Uh, and it's nativelinks.qc.ca. Um, that's the thing, nativelinks.qc.ca. And the, it used to be called Terre en Vue. You can type that in, too, on the Internet and find it. Okay, so how does it feel to be part of an, a First Nations Aboriginal festival? Amazing. Yeah? Yeah, it's cool <laughs> because, you know, the truth is not many, um, you know, people who are not 
native uh, end up in places like this? I mean, you do, of course, if you make a, if you you know do something like you make a point of it, yeah, or you, do a you, make a, you know, make a project. But otherwise, um, and it's not easy to make films in in the Aboriginal community, you know, because uh, for lots of reasons. One, there's not a big demand for it, whether you be Aboriginal or non-Aboriginal. You know, um, it, there's a there's not a lot of funding opportunities. I mean, there are some, but not extensive amounts for everyone. Um, and a lot of it is sort of for unfortunately labeled aboriginal so you get on to aptn which is wonderful but you, you you kind of you don't really get into the mainstream too much um and i think that's going to start changing as more um inuit young people Cree young people mohawks they start making their stories and, and people are going to see how powerful and emotional it can be and um and it'll push the boundaries you know that's what that's my goal and me going up there was a huge treat and i'm actually doing another project next year again in the north about inuit mentorship and we're looking at really interesting mentorships between different people um and that's going to be in nunavik and nunavut so it's going to be really a and in, also in the south um and it's another series uh so you know there's so much to learn and i think if you're living in canada you know this is a nation to not just Inuit, but all Aboriginal peoples who live here, <clears throat> they just have so much to offer. And they're wonderful people, and we need to get to know them. I, I'm just like curious to know what you think. Why, why is it that we really have so little connection and communication with Aboriginal communities? And do you think that there is a lot of potential for, for the different communities to come together here, let's say in Montreal? Yeah, I mean, it takes it takes specific projects that could do that, you know, but I mean, you have to want to go out, right? Because it's all about who's going to go to whose event, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so it starts off with wanting to go and meet people, you know, so go to Ganawaki, go to an Inuit festival, go to Présence Autochtone, start meeting people. And if you can afford it, travel up north. It's pretty wild, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to the Arctic, you know, and, and it's in your own country. Um, so there's that you can do. I mean, there's lots of things one can do. You just have to want to yeah. and be open to it like anything and uh, read about it. You know, when you're in the, you know, when you're reading your paper, you know, look over those things to get a sense of what people are doing. Unfortunately, the news is not always the right way to get to know people, but you know, just stay open mm -hmm. and you'll, it'll come to you. Did you find while you're hanging out with people that there was any, I mean, I think that there's a lot, obviously a lot of differences. We, we yeah. see that. But were there any similarities that you found between Inuit culture and Jewish culture? Wow. Um, <laughs> you were expecting that question. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, they said Ari in Anutatuk means the one who laughs. I don't know. And Ari's a very, you know, uh, Hebrew name. So uh, there, you know, who knows what happened thousands of years ago? I'm sure, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a link. I don't know. When I go there, people say, you look a little bit Inuit because I have a round face. A lot of them have this round face. Um, but, um, you know, I get along with them really well. That's mm -hmm. the truth. You know, they're really down to earth people. That's the kind of people I like to hang out with and talk to. And they're just really my kind. I mm -hmm. like them. Okay. So in that sense, yeah, maybe. I've been hearing about some different programs and projects that are happening in Montreal that do bring together the Jewish community and First Nations communities and trying to understand the links and the differences. And I'm very excited about it and would love to get more involved. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for somebody for your next project to okay. like, you know, sure. carry the boom mic. <laughs> I'm there. I'm totally there. I'm very, very curious. And I feel when I went to South Africa and I told people there that I had never really, I mean, I've been to Ganawage, but that's it. 
it, it's kind mm-hmm. of like shocking. Like, mm-hmm. really? Aren't you interested in, in the Aboriginal people of your country? You don't mm-hmm. know anything about them? Well, Jews are, you know, I mean, before they were living in Montreal a long time ago, they were born in a place where they were essentially from the land. You know, they were once Aboriginal I think, you know, in, in a technical way. Um, you know, my grandfather was mm-hmm. born in, in Jerusalem and his grandfather before him there. So, you know, I mean, I think as Jews, we've come from those places that, you know, are deep rooted in, in, you know, from thousands of years ago. But still, we come from somewhere and, and, and then we disconnect and we come to other countries. And I think anyway, people do the same. You know, they, 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 they come here and they disconnect. And I think that's where we sort of connect on mm-hmm. that disconnect. Yeah, totally. Which is a a good segue because in the second half of the show, I'm going to be talking with two directors from Israel who did a horror movie. And you also had a project that you did uh, most recently called Falafelism. Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to talk about that? Of course, sure. I did a a one hour and the feature is going to come out next year. And it's about food, politics, identity and uh, lots of hummus. I'm so excited to see that. I cannot wait. Uh, Ari, thank you so much for coming on to Shtetl. My pleasure. And we're going to go out of this segment with a song that uh, you brought in. Sure. Lynn Monti. Lynn Monti. I'd never heard of her. She's uh, Algerian. She's Algerian and she's from the Judeo-Arab Andalus tradition, which means basically she's an awesome singer of that time. And there's a lot of Jewish... Uh, Arab singers of that time, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, that were not just known to the Jewish community, but to the entire Arab world. And these were huge superstars. Um, She's one of them, um, but there's many. And uh, yeah, please enjoy. Yeah, this is a very, very powerful, powerful song. So take a listen, and we'll be back on Shtetl on the Shortwave. Brought in us, 
All right, we're back on Shtetl on the shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM. I'm your host, Tamara Kramer, and if you want to listen to the podcast of Shtetl on the shortwave, you can go to shtetlmontreal.com, and we are about to be treated to a very, very spooky, scary interview. I feel as though people should really prepare psychologically for this because uh, it, there might be no return after uh, after we hear from... Aaron Kishalis and Navot Papushado, two of the people with the coolest names that I've had on Shtetl in a long time. <laughs> so Aaron uh, Kishalis and Navot Papushado are the directors of the first ever Israeli horror film called Rabies. And how do you say that in Hebrew? Kalevet. 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 I guess that comes from Kelev, dog? Kelev, dog. Yeah. Okay, so Rabies. And uh, when did you guys get to Montreal? Two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. Is this your first time here in the city? First time in Canada and first time in Montreal. First time in Canada, first time in Montreal. Wow, okay, welcome. Thank you. Uh, so, so the film, I have to say I watched it last night at 11 o'clock uh, by myself in my bed all alone. <laughs> and it was, uh, it's, it was pretty disturbing. It was, uh, it was also funny, too. There were a lot of funny moments. What made you want to make a horror movie? Well, um, as you both point to each other, to <laughs> we just want to be polite to each other, you know, no one stealing each other's thunder. Um, well, let's go back a while. Aaron actually was my professor at uh, Tel Aviv University. But okay. he's, you can't see it, but he's not that old. He was a really young professor. And he kind of um, mentored me in my earlier films, and eventually he produced my graduation film. Okay. And with that, we had a trip to New York to the Brooklyn Film Festival. And um, we kind of wondered what will be the next project, and we knew it's going to be a genre film, since Israel haven't had any horror film or not that huge on genre films. We just knew we had to make a genre films, and it was obvious to us that we are going to do a horror, fil- horror film, since we are both such huge fans of the genre. And right there and then we decided to do rabies. We had an initial concept, and... The rest is history. Okay, so what can people expect from the film Rabies? Aaron? Um, actually, when we, we decided to do the film, we wanted to make uh, some kind of interesting gimmick so people would want to see the first Israeli slasher film, not only in Israel, but also in the world. Okay. So we decided to take to our attention the kind of thing that people always told us, like uh, Israel doesn't have a lot of uh, serial killers, so uh, nobody, will un- nobody will believe that there is a serial killer in your kind of movie. So we decided to take that into our first um, Account and then we decided to make a film in which we asked the question: What would be Israeli? What would be Israeli first slasher look like? What, okay. what would it look like? Uh, because we don't have any serial killers in Israel. It's really not a popular job in Israel. How so, is that? Is that how's yeah, that yeah. possible? No serial killers in Israel. We just kill each other, so uh, no. I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have we have enough problems. We don't need to add them serial killers into the equation. But I don't. Is that that's not really the type of thing you can control whether they're <laughs> serial killers or no, not. But but that's the truth. We don't have any. So we decided to take hmm, that under care and make a film in which uh, the serial killer is like a 
Israeli version of a serial killer, which is a bit, you know, incompetent and even an impotent. Okay. So uh, that was our initial idea, and that's why we decided to do uh, the, this kind of film, which is uh, more of a comedy uh, than just a horror, really serious horror film. Okay. And uh, what, like, what would you hope people would get from watching this movie? And obviously, you're going to be answering for what, why would people go and watch Friday the 13th? Or why would people, you know, what, what were you hoping people would leave the theater feeling? First of all, it's supposed to be a very entertaining film. I mean, uh, horror genre, the horror genre is, first of all, a popcorn film genre. You have to enjoy yourself, you have to laugh, you have to shout, you have to scream, you have to, it's like a roller coaster, so we really hope uh, Rabies will work on the audience as most of the genre films, uh, especially the horror films, so basically I just hope people will love the film and be entertained by it. And be afraid. And of really, course we'll really be afraid and, and, would like and to joke. Yeah. And they would like to come to Israel because <laughs> we did rabies in order for people to understand how beautiful Israel is. So yeah. we filmed it in a forest and we uh, put a lot of blood on everybody. It's kind of <laughs> a tourist attraction now. So now, you know, come to Forest Ben Shaman where the film was uh, being made and you'll have fun, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that is... A g Actually, it is beautiful. It's beautifully filmed, and the, the images and the photography is amazing. There's some scenes where you see the sunlight you know, filtering onto the trees, and it is lovely. I feel like it could be in Canada. It could be a forest anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't know if it would make people want to go to Israel. Like, it's so <laughs> gruesome. It is yeah. so gruesome. But here's some lovely... But lovely, in a fun yeah. way. In a fun way. Yeah, in a fun way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I've been reading some of the reviews and reading some, some things that people have been saying about it. And it looks like people really want to talk about whether this is some sort of commentary on the situation in Israel, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. How do you feel about that? Is that annoying to you? Or are you, did you expect that? Uh, yeah, when you make a movie uh, where the slasher wears a pilot uh, aviator jumpsuit and he goes to sleep, so you can't avoid these kind of questions. But I have to say that when Avot and I uh, approached the film, we wanted to do something funny and something entertaining. But we did. A, there is a lot of subtext, and the film also has a very uh, metaphorical title because nobody gets beaten by a dog, which is very important to say that right now. Nobody gets beaten by a dog. So it's not like a biological disease. It's, right. It's People, kind of yeah. a humanistic disease. Like everybody inside us have this uh, trigger. If somebody pushes this trigger in a certain moment of time, uh, things get uh, out of hand. So when we make a film with a metaphorical name and a killer in a jumpsuit, you will get all this kind of interpretation. But we have to say that we didn't think about Rayus as a political statement about the place of uh, Palestinians and Israelis because there aren't any uh, Palestinians in the film. What we did try to do in Rabies is to talk about our community as Israelis, not against Palestinians, but against uh, each other as brothers. And uh, that's why we don't have any uh, Palestinians uh, uh, characters in the film, only us, because we started to notice that in the last 10 years, uh, a lot of things get... Um, uh, a lot of violence happened in Israel between us, not uh, against uh, the Palestinians, because we That's are, a big issue there, is yeah. like violence between uh, Jewish Israeli citizens. Yeah. Or any... You know what, I don't even... It's so... 
on the first half of the show, we were talking about a Jewish filmmaker that went to uh, First Nations community here in Quebec. And it's very sensitive, the language that you use and what words you use to describe people. So should I be saying Jewish Israelis or Israelis or it's kind of I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I don't really know exactly what to say. But are you talking you're talking about just Israeli citizens, yeah, Israel's- how, how you exist together? Yeah, because we have the left wing and the right wing. And uh, some famous uh, writer just spoke on the television and said that the only way that Israelis could uh, uh, go further and survive this era in Israel is to have like this brotherly war right now, to, to have a war between brothers. So I, I, I hope that we don't have to go this far in order to assault to uh, maintain good peace with each other. But it, when you hear... Um, government uh, officers talking about that and when you hear about uh, writers who talk about it and now rabies is also a film that shows this kind of violence between brothers because the film uh, by the way starts with the love of brothers a brother and a sister who runs away from home and from there everything collides Mm -hmm. so the whole thing that we were uh, aiming at is to uh, show uh, a state in which the worst thing that can happen to it is a war between brothers so it's not about palestinians and israelis it's about israelis and israelis okay and uh Okay, I just wanted to experience a little bit of my own personal horror. You know, we create it here on the radio show. You know, the biggest horror for a radio show host is supposedly dead air. Let's try it again. <laughs> oh my God, I'm actually getting afraid, more afraid than from last night um, watching the movie. What I wanted to ask you was, how does it feel to direct scenes where there's some really gruesome, awful interactions between the characters, like sexual abuse and insane violence how, it, how what sort of tone is there on the set well there's a difference between the sexual abuse uh, scenes and the violent and gross scenes i mean the sexual abuse thing which we have one um, very important scene in the film was kind of more quiet and heavy and uh, much more delicate um, but the gruesome parts where uh, by, uh, body parts are flying in the air and people explode and get stabbed that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. And also the actress <laughs> did a lot of fun because it was the first time for them to be to participate in such a physical film. Mm-hmm. Usually they don't do that. Uh, special effects and uh, choreography. So it was a lot of fun doing this film. Okay. I look away <laughs> when we uh, film the shots of uh, the decapitations and stuff like that. I, w- I look away from the monitor and the vote just, uh, you know, drools with enjoyment. Yeah, I'm responsible for the blood. Wow. Yeah. Aaron is responsible for the emotions. It was, it was interesting watching the movie. It felt like, very, like a movie I had seen many times, you know, like the teen slasher film, the girls wearing the short, you know, the short skirt and being so innocent and afraid to pee in front of anybody in case somebody would see her peeing and all the different, like, stereotypical characters that you see in a film, but what actually happens in the movie is very different, so it's kind of jarring Um, and uh, I, I, I definitely recommend that all Montrealers go out and see Rabies, it's very, very, it's a meaningful movie, it's (laughs) If you're into public being, watch rabies. Yeah, that's a good commercial. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, it's important also to say at this point that we are uh, really, f- it's a really privilege and we are very, very happy to be here in Montreal. And all thanks to Fantasia Film Festival, um, all the guys that chose us to be in this film festival. Actually, Aaron has been talking for this festival for years. Aaron was a film critic and he always looked up to Fantasia Film Festival to see what will be the great uh, news coming from this festival. And when we did Rabies, he said, Novot, if we can just get to Fantasia, I'll die a happy man. And we did get to Fantasia, so... And I can die. Yeah. So... Hopefully you won't be killed by an axe-wielding serial murderer here in Montreal while you're here. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess it would be okay, because you've come to Fantasia Film Festival, you've lived your dream. Yeah, and he, yeah. he also met, jo- he also met <laughs> John done. Landis. He also met John Landis and have a picture with John Landis, so now you can really die happy. Okay, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know who John Landis is. He's the director of... Animal House. Animal House. Okay. Uh, You actually look like a little bit like John Belushi. Do people tell you that? (laughs) (laughs) Now I really can die happy. Yeah, you can die happy. Um, So I'm just like curious to know, and if you don't mind my asking, how does it feel being um, Israeli cultural producers uh, when you travel around the world? Because a lot of people are talking about boycotting, boycotting products, boycotting cultural products, and boycotting academics. So I'm, uh, I'm assuming that some people also would want to boycott things like films from the country. Has that come up? And how do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, fortunately, uh, nobody boycotts uh, rabies. Uh, I'm going to say something really <laughs> not politically correct, but maybe it's because we're in rabies, uh, Israelis are killing each other, so <laughs> nobody boycotts this uh, kind yeah, of Yeah, it could be a huge hit in uh, Arab countries, I mean, when you think but, about it. <laughs> but, you know, all, all kinds of uh, cultural boycotts are... I, ju- I, I just can't understand it. Um, so... Unfortunately, we didn't have this kind of problem yet. Uh, but yeah, a lot of bands don't come to is- bands don't come to Israel anymore. Uh, sometimes they uh, cancel it like a day before uh, they come to the show. So it's really um, awkward uh, to be in this kind of situation because when you live in Israel, you don't understand the notions people are uh, accustomed to in other countries. Because when I come to uh, Korea last week, or even here in Canada, I hear a lot of people talking about Israel, and they have no real sense of what's going on in Israel. It's not that terrible there. It's not that tense in there. Uh, Tel Aviv is not dangerous. It's like a happy, peppy place with parties all day long. And, of course, there are uh, there, there is a, a difficult situation with the Palestinians, but... I can't understand how uh, boycotting a, ba- a show, a musical show, uh, will start uh, a negotiation uh, between the sides, will start a, a positive uh, um, process between the Palestinians and the Israelis. It's just like uh, not doing nothing except for uh, really embarrassing the Israelis. We like being, uh, you know, like a little child who needs to be spanked by this big brother or uh, mother who says, no, 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 you should be better than that. We're not taking you to see the show. We're not taking you to see films. And I just can't understand uh, this kind of uh, process. Yeah, I mean, the situation in Israel is much more complex than people realize. 
And sometimes we feel like we are ambassadors of Israel, but that's not completely true. I mean, we are, we, we are proud of being Israeli, but we are, not, um, we, we are not representative of the government, of course. I mean, we are two filmmakers. We've done a horror film, and it's, of course, it's not a political film, so you can find some political references in, into it, but we in no way represent the government or the establishment or the army. So it's not like we are trying to avoid talking about those things, but it's kind of strange when you do a genre film, a horror film, and unfortunately we haven't been banned from anywhere so far, and Rabies is doing very, very well in all over the world, but I think, and I've always thought like that, maybe I'm a bit naive, that um, films and all kinds of art maybe could bring people closer and I'm sure a lot of people from uh, from all kind, all places of the world will enjoy rabies, and maybe that will be. I know it sounds like yeah, a, it sounds like it sounds like yeah, <laughs> like a model, like I'm uh, competing on a world peace. Yeah, world peace is, is very. Um, a film yeah. about killing brings world peace. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the vision. That's the vision. Yeah. Um, what are some of the films that you're excited about seeing at the festival here in Montreal? Uh, we saw the last film from John Landis, okay. uh, Heron Burke, which was uh, really funny and uh, crazy. And yesterday we saw Takashi Miike's uh, director's cut for 13 Assassins, and uh, it was like our second uh, viewing of the film, but this time in a director's cut, even more blood uh, pours down on the screen. Uh, it was a great film, and uh, we're looking forward for uh, this uh, kind of robo ninja, robo karate film, which is supposed to be really crazy. And uh, Robo Robo Karate? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. That's the title. Something like that, yeah. And we also have a few Japanese films, Guns, one and two. Yeah, we have a pretty tight schedule because we're living in a few days and we don't want to miss anything. Okay. Where are you guys off to next? Uh, and next month we're going to be at Fright Fest. Fright Fest? Yeah. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, in London. It's a huge festival in uh, Leicester Square, right? Yeah. And from there we are traveling to Germany. There is okay. a huge film festival that uh, shows in all the big cities. So they've invited us for uh, München and Stuttgart. So we're kind of doing a word tour with okay. the film. Okay. So if people want to see Rabies, it's playing tonight at Concordia. And you can go on to the Fantasia uh, Festival website. It's I think FantasiaFestival.com and so you can check out the description of Rabies and all the other movies that are playing and see the times and I'm very, very excited. I'm going to lift up my paper so that I can say this properly to have Aaron Kishales and Navot Papuchado, the directors of the film here on Shtetl on the Shortwave. We love being so international and uh, I hope you'll tune in in a couple of weeks. We're going to have a music special with, with music from all over the world and we're going to have uh, Frank London from the Klasmatics live in the studio so uh stay tuned and you can check out uh all that's happening in the world of alternative jewish arts and culture at shtetlmontreal.com and the song is going to play it's the soul messengers of dimona so thanks for uh thanks for tuning into shtetl on the shortwave and thanks to you too for coming in thank you Thank you.
Oh, my God. 